Hello again, everybody. It is time now for another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. My name is Justin Lee. I'm joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. And, of course, you might be listening to this in the afternoon or in the middle of the night, but it's morning here. It is the 13th of September of the year of, well, the year of Satan 2020, not the year of our Lord. I don't know. But as we continue to do this uh, pandemic version of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium, we have tons of things to talk about, um, and that's pretty exciting. Got pretty pretty dark there for a little while in the sports world, but obviously baseball season is just getting down to those last couple of weeks right now, and the Tigers have been very interesting this season. I, I think that we can say without question. Um, additionally, we're going to talk some Lions football because I guess we're obligated to, and then uh, we got NHL, NBA playoffs going on, and a whole bunch of other things going on in the sports world. So stick around. It's time now for some highbrow sports consumption. I mean, that's what Emporium sell, right? Highbrow things, right? Mm, I always thought uh, it was kind of tchotchke, but... Right. Oh, so it's just the opposite. Yeah. Here's some cheap plastic stuff. It was more the environment type of thing that, you know, the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we're going to kick off the show today with some tigers and... Um, I, I don't know. It's been a really enjoyable season for the most part to watch. Uh, and that for me is, is, that's like a great victory. Granted when they lose by more than two touchdowns, those are hard games to watch, but it, it, it's been fun. What's your guys's take on that? You know, on the last show, we, uh, when we started this conversation, we're going to, uh, it's basically the same way we're going to start it now. And, and it, what we knew was the starting pitching was going to be at best, uh, um, packable uh, uh, at times, right? And, you know, you talked about the, the, the you know, the summer. And, and I mean, if you have not been able to go to a, uh, and of course you haven't been able to go to an amusement park for the most part, that's fine. If you're a Tigers fan, it's been a roller coaster. It's been big sweeps down, climbs up, pretty cool to be up at the top for a little, you know, a couple of minutes and have, whoosh, you know, dip on down. And certainly a big part of that has been the starting pitching. And, you know, Michael Fulmer, uh, I think he had a, you know, a, you know, there's been a decent start here and there. Matt Boyd had two decent starts in a row, but then he blew up. Uh, you know, the, the bullpen was really, really good. Now they've forgotten how to, to, to do stuff. Uh, and in the meantime, the offense has been all over the board in terms of really, really good. And then all of a sudden they, they fall off. Uh, and you know what is going to happen between now and the end of the season, just like we talked about in the last show, they're going to climb back up again because, and, and, and they're going to have a, a probably another good streak before we end the season. Um, and, and there's going to be, you know, continue to be that, that very takeaway because regardless of what happens, there's been a complete lack of consistency above anything else. But Justin, to your point, has it been enjoyable at times? Absolutely. There's a life to this team, uh, starting from Ron Garden higher all the way down to whoever, you know, on the team that you believe is down there. And, uh, um, and, and certainly 
I think the biggest struggle, Brandon, is going to be at the end of the season, what what are going to be the ultimate takeaways? Because yep. I think that, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, and that's really what my you know my thoughts were going to be. Is I don't I don't know how to assess it. I certainly share the the kind of interest and enjoyment of watching. You know, particularly Reyes, Candelario. We should talk about more in a minute. Uh, and Castro. You know, watching them play really good baseball and, and for Candelario, who we've expressed. You know, I think waning degrees. Uh, from from the beginning of the year, which was will he be in a Tigers uniform next year? To oh wow, uh, he's hitting pretty well. Um, <laughs> so to put it mildly, but no, I don't know what to make of it. I I said last time, you know, if they're anywhere close to 500, it's an unquestionable success. Um, at the same time, like I also, the more I watch this team, the more I think the wheels will, would really come off this team. Um, it just there's just some weak spots that are would be really troubling in what would normally be dog days uh, of the major league season. But fun to watch the young guys hit, you know, the starting pitching, God, you wonder how bad it would be if we didn't have two 20-somethings uh, coming up here eating up innings, you know. You, you really do, uh, if, if, without school in mind. Either one of them have, you know, been spotless, but they, they've thrown good innings, especially. So, you know, I think – the, the question is, is how much of the, how much will Vila be able to make of the future of the team coming out of this? I'm sure that's not unique to our team, but you know, really, how much of what 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 will we know about the future? Um, you know, good and bad. Yeah. Um, th- this is such a this is such a um, it's such a weird year. Like it's it's almost impossible to really even compare it to 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 normal. I mean, to, to, and by the way, the starting pitching has been terrible. I, I in my opinion, uh, I mean, there have been some good games, right. but on the whole, it's been terrible. And once again, the Tigers have bitten been bitten by the injury bug. I mean, we talked about this, you know, several months ago. Um, that I mean, there's just no way the Tigers were going to have to go through that the same level of injuries as last year, and yet. It's been pretty bad this year when you look at it. I mean, Ivan Nova was supposed to just come and chew up innings. He never gets hurt, and he's done for the year. Zimmerman, I mean, we weren't expecting a lot, but we were at least expecting a few innings somewhere in there, and he's right. just coming back now. Um, and then you have, um, you know, a kid they were bringing in out of camp, Agrizal done for the year before he threw a pitch for the Tigers. So that's three starters right there. And once again, and I'm not saying we were expecting amazingness, but those are innings. Those are innings that somebody could be chewing up. Um, And then, you know, you have to look at a Fulmer situation, which, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Just reading some of the uh, message boards that are very baseball specific. And people like, oh, we got to dump Fulmer, blah, blah, blah. And that's silly. Um, He's younger than Spencer Turnbull, um, has more of a track record, and he's coming off Tommy John surgery. And and the thing about that is is he's, what, made seven-ish starts, eight-ish starts now. At least five of them would have been in the minor leagues on a normal season. He never would have thrown his first start (laughs) to major league hitters I mean, that's just yeah. ridiculous. A question back to you, though, because I think this speaks to the conundrum of evaluating the season. You list off three guys who have nothing left. Uh, 
or I don't know about the, 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 the younger, younger. I get what you're saying. Superman and Nova have nothing left. Like, mm-hmm. do you take another two, three, four wins off this team's record? I mean, real live arms and Scooble and Mize. Like, and again, not that they've gone out and been the difference makers, but, you know, Casey put this team in a position to win the other night. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they win, and, you know, you know, hilarity ensues as always, long home, flying kind of stuff, you know. And that's where I do wonder with some of these young guys they brought up, are they actually inflating this team's record, which is, I mean, if you think about it, at what risk, right? You know, I, you know, I, I do wonder, because, I mean, Zimmerman, I mean, six, I guess, would be a win for him. Maybe low fives, right? I mean, these guys were not going to throw in the, in Major League Baseball. They, they didn't have that luck. Yeah, that's a Certainly not Zimmerman. I mean. No, and that's a good point. And maybe it does inflate the record a little. But, you know, to me, once again, this was not the year for them to be competitive. And no. it was ne- next year would be the first year that they would have a shot at being competitive. This was about development. And it would have been way better for Casey Mize to get 10 starts in AAA before ever. And same with Scooble and what have you. And that's fine if Zimmerman's given up eight runs a game. I don't care because right. those guys are getting that experience that they need, get their get their feet wet this year, you know, come up in September or August or whatever, and then get a few starts and what have you. It would have been better, but mm-hmm. we're just we're, we're making lemonade at this point. I mean, that's but, the, but, you the know, entire- it's also not bad either, right? I mean, that these guys can come up and throw major leagues in, and maybe, mm-hmm. or theoretically, you might want them to. Yeah. You know? It's just weird. You don't know what to make of it, right? You know, what's the the opportunity cost of those guys not getting more work in AAA? You know, you don't know. And so that's, you know, to Adam's point, you just, what do you make of all of it? And, and the, the last thing I wanted to say before we, we dive into that is you look at, and Adam, I know you were going to mention this, Jacoby Jones with his annual injury. And I, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he got hit by a pitch. I mean, that's just not like, I, yeah. I mean, you know, he's been hit in the face. He's been hit in the hand twice. Uh, and he was playing good baseball. Uh, and then CJ Crone, I mean, that was really, really tough. I mean, how are you supposed to know this stuff? You know, um, how, and how are you supposed to manage this many injuries? Now, fortunate is Candelario, since moving to first base, has just hit like a demon. Um, and it, if I were to take away, you know, like if we were going to have a top five, and well, I'm sure we'll do this, you know, after the season's over. Of, of, of positive takeaways. Candelario's emergence has to be in that top five, at least at this point, him and Victor Reyes. Those two have been absolutely phenomenal. And I think there's enough at bats where we can say there, there's something really good brewing here. But to your point, Brandon, are there going to be enough at bats in this season? Are there going to be enough innings for us to do a true evaluation? The answer is no. Um, and that really sucks for a team like the Tigers, who is in this mode where they just need to see these players and see where it's going to shake out. Okay, Dewal Lugo, you suck. You're going back to the minors. That's what they said, right? Fine. So then let's give Willie Castro a shot. And they have. And so far, he's done really well. Sabermetrics say his numbers are going to come down. But again, 22, 23. I mean, you know, Paredes, 21, struggling a little bit. But again, he shouldn't be in the majors this year. So, yeah, and this is where, you know, I, I typically bring the, you know, the contrary opinion. But if things hold steady, I'm chalking this up as a win for Avila. And I'm chalking this up as a win for the rebuild, right? You know how I get, you know, on that spectrum. But you show me a bunch of young guys, you know, Reyes and Castro and Cantor, 
in corners and are becoming major league ball players. And Joe Jones will have them again next year for however long we have them. We have some decisions to make with these free agents, but um, you know, good signing of scope. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. again, I think they've got a real problem in the three hole in their batting, in, you know, in the batting order. It just doesn't hit. Um, but oh, nevertheless. And and I think as far as that three hole goes, you know, when you're when you're thinking about the payroll and it being significantly smaller, that's something that you can go out and, and correct. You you can you know that's well within your power. I did want to go back. You know, we were uh, just you brought up the injuries and the starting pitching, and and Brandon, you had brought up the uh, idea of whether it was plus or minus because you might have been saved. I, in my opinion, because mind you. I'm not saying that a Zimmerman or, or uh, uh, Nova are, are pluses, in it, but maybe one of the down-the-road results of them continuing to p- being able to pitch would be longer innings and hence saving your bullpen. And I think one of the things that we're seeing right now is this bullpen is starting to burn out mm-hmm. because of how much they've had to carry this team on their back, which might be one of the reasons why you won't get that uh, – um, uptick, if you will, before the end of the season because his bullpen is burned out and there's not really a whole lot of hope uh, that the starting pitching is going to maybe uh, do something uh, because I, I'm not necessarily of the opinion, despite Mike's performance on Friday night uh, or Scooble, who has been decent, that they will necessarily be able to uh, carry you know a lot of the momentum very recent of mine in the past with school bowl what they're able to do uh and and i i don't you know there's not necessarily uh help at this point that i think this team is going to go ahead and bring up unless there's some sort of chance if you will that they can get into the wild card which based on the performance the last couple of games i'm thinking that those uh chances even though they got talked about and maybe uh from a number standpoint uh from an arithmetic standpoint maybe uh still something that could be talked about with uh, not uh, a whole lot of laughing uh, accompanying it. Um, the point being is that I, I just tend to believe that that's what probably was the biggest result of uh, um, you know not having those two guys uh, in in the lineup. So. That's a great and that's a great point. The bullpen has been o- overtaxed again, not having a full season to build up their arms and what have you. And guys like Cisnero and Soto and Garcia and Jimenez even, I mean, all went out there and, and we're pitching back to back or three straight nights farmer. Uh, I mean, you're, you're just not gonna, you, you can't sustain that, especially when you have two bullpen games per five days also. Right. That was the other part where Alexander is throwing behind everybody. Norris or Norris is throwing behind Fulmer. So you're just eating up all of these guys. Uh, and that's why they brought up like Ramirez because he can eat some innings. Um, you know, I mean, what else are they going to do? And there's nobody left to bring up. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the kitchen is pretty bare in terms of guys who are at least going to be able to compete at the major league level at this yeah, point. Yeah, and, and, and this was something we knew. Just <clears throat> pitching injuries in general in professional baseball are skyrocketing. Um, there was an article in The Ringer uh, about a month ago that kind of detailed just the dramatic spike in pitching injuries over the last two years and this, this year. Yeah. So, you know, a team like the Tigers is going to pay dearly um, in, a, in a situation like that. Remember, the depth's not – that's not where they are in their cycle uh, of, uh, you know, uh, development. So, what, What's very concerning to me is the fan base. I mean, 
you brought up one instance earlier, Justin, of of a guy that had Tommy John last year, and because he's not come out flaming one hundred mile an hour fastball every, and and all of a sudden, well, well, he's done. I'm like, really? And then the other thing was the other day when you know. Ryan Gardner-Hire did what he needs to do to make sure that there's a little bit of talk and whatever about this team. And there was talk, you know, with Christian Stewart going back down, that then all of a sudden, I, between the media and, and the fan base, they thought Riley Green was coming up. And I'm like, how do you even come to that conclusion that they, especially with you with Jazz Cameron as – you know, from all reports, has really been, you know, on the up and up. And, and, you know, he had a really nice big hit on uh, Friday night. I don't know what he did last night if he played at all. Uh, but the point being is that, that I, I just, you know, I, I know we desperately want this team to win. But you don't fall apart for six, seven, eight, you know, however long it, you know, was taking like about six years. And then all of a sudden, imagine some sort of, of – complete u-turn uh 180 in performance can i just i i don't know i just i i hope the fan base understand and i think in general the, the general fan base i think once the you know the crowds are able to get back in i think you know the attendance would have been way better this season than you could have ever imagined based mm-hmm. on what we're seeing and yeah there would have been a few games you would have left early without a problem but in in general yes I, I think that <laughs> yeah so absolutely it was on the road but yeah it was on the road but there was a couple home games i i just i i think the general fan base will will be back they'll be more than happy to come down and watch this team and, okay. and hopefully we're to the point that next year you know we're able to kind of get back to some sort of semblance of order if you will I do expect that that to happen, but boy, uh, very troubling to hear a couple of these viewpoints. I tell you. Well, and 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 uh, well, first off, I totally agree on the attendance. I think it definitely would have gone up. It would have been easier for us to avoid getting a pom pom from the pom pom guy. Um, so that would have been helpful because there would have been more people there to, you know, take pom poms. Um, but more importantly. Um, I, I'll I'll say it in the way that um, George Carlin explained it is that take the average person that you know, just a, the most basic average person, not exceptional in any way, and think about how stupid that person is, <laughs> and, and just know that half the world is stupider than that guy. So that that's kind of my opinion on the world right now. Um, is people just are gonna be in their own little crazy places and that's okay and that's fine for them and um but in reality former's not going to come out throwing a you know darts after tommy john riley green is not ready to come up and play in the major leagues um let's just not be silly and and move on with life but anyway very sad. Very sad. So uh, one other thing for this season and really moving to Avila. And again, it's hard to even really evaluate him at this point uh, because, again, it's a very short season. But trade deadline, all we did was trade Cameron Maben for the third time. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> any Any thoughts on should he have done anything? Was that good? Not good? I, I mean – Bum to see, uh, you know, Cameron Maben go again. But no, I don't, you know, I can't from his perspective with this. 
um, with where they are. So short of someone making an absurd offer or whatever, then, you know, I don't know why. Yep. You know, why toy around with this thing? I don't think any team felt like they were going to mortgage their, uh, you know, make big decisions at this trade that makes sense. You know, I think, um, you know, barring, uh, you know, even a really terrible collapse at the end of the year, you know, with the Vila, the job done, I guess, you know, I mean, some of the young guys that he's banking on to make this team viable, of sure. You know, his young arms look lively. You know, some of the big problems he has are not a big um, mm-hmm. job done, you know. And so if, if that's where you're trending going into the deadline, why do anything to rock that boat? I agree. I saw no reason. And, I mean, for the most part, I mean, outside of the Padres, I didn't feel like, you know, there were many teams that made any moves. I don't know why. Must have been something on fire at the Padres organization or something. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, and, you know, just, just the perpetual like, dumpster that is the San Diego Padres. Oh, well, I mean, but it's just, I, I mean, I kept on looking at my phone. Oh, the Padres made an earth trade. The Padres made an earth trade. The Padres made an earth trade. Wow. I mean, there must have been some sort of urgency going on in that organization. And, and you know, they seem to give up a fair amount. And, and you know, their organization, they can. They're a very good farm system, right? Um, they can. They're going for it. Um, and, but outside of that, it seemed like a very stagnant, to-be-expected trade deadline. And I think with um, uh, Avila, you know, I, you know, just like Brandon said, unless you're going to get some sort of knock them, sock them, you know, deal, which that wasn't going to happen this year, even more less likely than in years past, then, then stay pat, be done. And, and I, you know, you're right. Just stick with the chips that you got and hopefully they're, they're good ones. So, yep. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that uh, at our next show or when the baseball season ends and we'll talk about what we think the Tigers will do in the off season. Cause that's going to be quite an interesting, uh, that's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, but right. um, I guess I guess just to close, I mean, I'm getting curious with with you guys where you're at on Cabrera. Uh, you know, to me, uh, you know, and I uh, knowing that we talked about this in the last show, and knowing it would come up on this show, um, you know, when I'm looking at a stack, it, they're they're not great, right? I mean, they're 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 simply not great. Um, I put out, you know, first 30 days, he's never really particularly that great uh, in any season. Um, I think I can attribute that more to weather in general than this. Um, but I think, in, uh, but but I I think my takeaway as well, though, and we alluded a little bit to it in the last show, and we just alluded to it about five minutes ago when we talked about the third position in the lineup, is that you've got to go ahead and get, uh, you know, bona fide major leaguers in this particular lineup to to back him up, uh, and and I think you know as good as this lineup has been at times. I think the one thing is is that you've got to continue to go ahead and, and that might be where you spend the good money next year and then find out, you know, to, to back up Miggy Cabrera for him to have more of an opportunity. Because again, when you look at the metrics, especially how hard he's hitting the baseball, it, I, I really am uh, uh, apprehensive uh, to go ahead and say, I think he's losing something. I just think in this particular lineup, it just leaves a lot to be desired, especially, uh, you know, without a Nick Axelano in the lineup like he had last year. So, Yeah, and that that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, I mean, discouraged is certainly a word I would use. Um, I do think Cabrera is pretty frustrated. I mean, if you watch him, um, 
because he's in terms of number of hard hit balls this season, he's 21st in the major leagues overall, the most on the Tigers. Um, he has the highest expected batting average on the Tigers um, based on the number of hard hit balls, location of the hit balls, etc. Again, very sabermetric uh, Brandon, you said this several months ago, you know, we had 600 at-bats, plate appearances to look at for Cabrera. Well, you know, where's, where's the trend at? The trend is still not good. Um, that said, I, I don't think he's done. I think over a 160-game season, we would see a lot better overall numbers for him. In some ways, his numbers are better than even the projections um, said they were going to be, which were pretty sad, to be honest. But uh, he can't be the number three hitter anymore, I don't think. Um, I think that, he, that was really my question for you both. Is I mean, I'm yeah. first the stats. I just it just feels like that that's passed. Yeah, I think he's a four or five. And and you think about it, you put a Jamer Candelario in front of him, and then the team's going to have to decide. Well, I could pitch around Candelario. Oh, good, I get to pitch Cabrera now. And teams are still a little scared of him, uh, and so there's still some value. Um, in in his they they know they see the sabermetrics they see that he still hits ball hard um and so they don't want to pitch to him so ha- still having him there as a protector for some of the younger guys but but then he's got to hit lower in the order and i see him in a four or five spot for that yeah. and i see yeah, candelario just, hitting three yeah i mean i think there there's tiers of this conversation i think both of what you said is pretty reasonable i just you know, i I struggle with someone who's 150 points below a career OPS. Mm-hmm. I struggle with someone who's 200 points, you know, some of these in some of these other statistical categories. It's like, you know, he's not the only on a bad team in professional baseball. Like, oh. other guys that are very good hitters, but no help. Well, know? and Cabrera has done that in his career, but he's yeah, older. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, part of it is just simply a decline and his knee is still bugging him. He still isn't getting the drive and he's changed his hitting approach. And I don't entirely understand why, yeah. uh, but he's sitting a lot more dead red on fastballs. And, and he's been, we've seen him make confused swings more this season. It's always happened to him where he would like in a first at bat of a game against a pitcher, he'd look silly and then the next time he hit it yep. 10 rows deep yep. mm-hmm. he's not doing the 10 rows deep part and that and i mean i don't know that that's ever going to change but i think statistically what will bear out is that he'll hit a lot more singles and doubles in those circumstances and while not amazing could still be good i mean he still oh, has think, yeah. some good clutch two out hitting uh he For still sure. knows how to hit the ball I, I i and he's not going anywhere we still owe no, him he's not. You know, Absolutely, yeah. No, and I think, and, and well, I don't well, we need to belabor it anymore. But you know, I just for the amount of a bad bats and getting in the number of total bases he has, it's just it's a struggle. You know? It is, yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So, speaking of unfortunate, let's talk about the Lions um, as we uh, kick off another NFL season. I mean, technically on Thursday, but today, you know, first full slate of games for the NFL, uh, including the Lions. And I, I mean, what do we, what do, what do we do with this? You know, guys, I was optimistic 
about a week ago for this team. I felt that there was some good things going on, but then all of a sudden the word hamstring became very prevalent across this whole stupid team. And I'm thinking to myself, every time I think something is going on, there's some sort of theme that takes place. And it seems like, you know, uh, you know, I feel like Matt Patricia had a pretty good offseason considering everything going on. It seemed like he, you know, the, the training camp seemed to be fairly positive. Uh, he seemed to have uh, uh, have adjusted his strategy with his team uh, compared to two years ago drastically to, a, I, I think, in a lot better position than he was. I thought that they had gone out and had a very good draft uh, or a, a pretty good draft. I thought they had made a, um, some decent additions in free agency. I, I thought things were happening, and especially to their draft from um, two years ago, I thought it was really going to develop between Defy and, and uh, TJ Hawkinson. But now with these, you know, Kenny Galladay and, and Jeff Okuda will be out today for the Bears game, which that'll happen by the time anyone that listens to this game uh, uh, to this broadcast, the uh, uh, podcast will already have, have taken place. You look at the schedule coming up, whether it be Green Bay. And I think Eric didn't really played into my was not necessarily, and, and it certainly wasn't uh, the Lions by themselves, the story a lot better. It had way more to do, a, a good portion of my quote unquote optimism with the Lions had to do somewhat with the just. I mean, the 31 team, not including the Kansas City Chiefs parity in the NFL at this point, where I look at every team and I think to myself, well, they, they've got something going on here that's not great. I mean, I, I'll, I'll take a couple of teams, like the New Orleans Saints, I look and I just think to myself, Drew Brees has steadily got worse as time has gone on. I mean, his career is not on the uptick. Right. I, and I just and as good as Kamara is, as good as Michael Thomas is, as good as that team is and that defense being spotty at times. I just don't know what to expect from the Saints. You're taking moral home in the NFC Central, the Green Bay Packers, uh, that offense. I mean, Devontae Adams, I mean, and, you know, you don't know exactly what the mindset of a guy like Aaron Jones is uh, with A.J. Dillon being brought in and, you know, and, and, that, and that defense attack with Spotty and especially as batters as they got in that one game against the 49ers uh, there from the conference championship to the Bears, which are luck, and then all the way to, um, you know, the Vikings, who they lost a fair amount of defense and they lost a fair amount in offense, and I'm just not quite sure that they got what they need in order to really go to the next step. But to more generally answer your question, uh, I think today is going to be, uh, you know, it's a 16-game season, but you've got the Bears at home. Granted, no fans. Um, you're going to know a lot more about the Lions after today than you did going into the game, unless you already have a concrete, you know, decision and opinion on this team. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what really is the interesting thing about the Lions that you ran through is that the NFC North is a mess. Um, you know, you, you, you figure the Vikings are the best team in the division. Uh, big losses with Diggs and Everson Griffin and a few other folks. Um, but, yeah, just a mess. And the Bears, I don't expect much from them. The Packers were – not nearly as good as the record, Adam, which you hit on consistently last year. Out the playoffs. Uh, you know, this team, Vegas has this team around six, seven wins. Um, you know, if things click, they could win 10. If things go badly, they could win four. Um, it just, you got to assume the offense is going to you know, 
Stafford's healthy with the weapons that they have, but I put this team at about six or seven wins, you know, and would do so even coronavirus aside. I don't think they're going to be very good. I don't think Patricia's a very good coach. Um, do they want to wait on these two guys before they get rid of them and start over again? I don't know. I feel like that's where we're at, you know, barring, uh, you know, that 10 barring the offense really clicking and six, seven new defensive starters they have also clicking, uh, you know, and staying healthy and, and winning the division. Like it's, it's much of a, much of a good year for them, you know, it's just, you know, cohesion is so important in football. And while the offense has an opportunity here for some cohesiveness, certainly although the offensive line a little less so, but certainly Stafford working with the same trio of receivers, um, you know, backfield, they've added AP, which is an interesting uh, wrinkle to it, but um, you know, same set of receivers, tight ends, etc. There is an opportunity here for the offense to be really, really good. Defense scares me because again, six, seven new starters, just, it's a whole thing. They've never gelled on defense under Patricia, which is shocking given that he's supposed to be this defensive mastermind. Um, and, and, and the other thing, I mean, it goes without saying that this is a big year for Patricia because in Quinn, uh, because you know, uh, contracts up uh, last, right. Is it this year or is it next year? No, they got a five-year contract. Yeah, oh, was it five? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they signed uh, five. So, so they've got three, two more years after this one. Gotcha. Well, Quinn came before Patricia. No, but they re-upped both of them. Oh, is that what it was? So when when he got brought on, they announced they've got five years for for both for of them, them to do it. Well, yep. then I guess that that doesn't even matter anymore. Um, you know, it's. It is a big year because are they a three-win team? Are they a ten-win team? Let's let's find out. Right. Um, but what I find more disturbing, and I don't know that we need to dive into it right now, is just some of the reports that have come out from former players about Patricia's style. Right. And it's like, yeah, I can see why. Um, I can see why a lot of guys don't particularly care for playing for him. And 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 I think. What Bear's saying is that I think, again, yes, he did come in. And, and, you know, to that point, he was like that with the players. He was like that with the press. He was like that. I mean, he like he was really rough around the edges, right? I mean, and to, to the point that he thought he needed him in an authoritarian, uh, uh, you know, I, mean, I, I, have no, um, uh, I have no idea how much of what he was doing in, in terms of what we're hearing from former players that he, you know, picked up from Bill Belichick, right? I mean, and, 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 well, and, and yeah. And, and I mean, to that point, though, and like, there seems to be a major transition in terms of his approach, one, with the press, two, it seems like this, this locker room is a lot better. When you hear the people that have covered the team and that were at training camp, they said the training camp this year is drastically different than the one two years ago. And, to, you know, so I guess the point being is that, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I think we've got to listen to what some of these former players, but at the same time, I think Matt Patricia is smart enough to know to, and be able to pick up that whatever he was doing two years ago wasn't very good, and he needed to make a, a major transition quickly. And it appears if you – and, you know, we have a very, very good set of beat writers for the, for the Detroit line. Despite the organization – very good beat writers, whether it be Justin Rogers, Dave Burkett, Kyle Meineke, and the other guys, and they've all said 
this is a majorly different training camp than it was two years ago. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's what you, you got to hope that he knows how to act and trying to be Bill Belichick is not going to work, you know. Bill Belichick stumbled on maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of football. And by the way, chased him and a Hall of Fame tight end out of New England because yeah. he's a jerk. Like, I mean, yeah, he just chased him away, basically. You know, and so I mean, there's a limit even for a team that has had more success than perhaps any other team in a period. There's a limit to where how that's where that style can get you. And right. Matt Patricia it is not Bill Belichick. He did not study under Bill Parcells. He was not considered a, a genius football coach in his mid to late twenties like Belichick was, right? He's, he's Matt Patricia. Right? He was riding the coattails of the New England machine. So yes. I hope he learn, figures out how to adapt. I think he's a pretty crappy coach. And, you know, I do agree with you, Adam. Like there has been a markedly different evaluation of his approach this year, but you know, Belichick, I don't know this guy. I think he's a defensive coordinator for life kind of a guy. And and what I would say is, and that I, that's exactly the direction I was going, is I think Patricia probably walked in with the, hey, I'm New England attitude, and I think even Quinn, to a certain extent, walked in with a look. And, and they deserve some of that, because if you've been in a winning organization, you deserve some credit for being part of that winning organization, whether you did anything or not. You, you there's, there's something that comes with that, right? But I... I Patricia came in, he wasn't the head coach of that organization. And at some point NFL players are going to be like, that's going to wear thin. It's going to wear thin on anybody after a while. Like, yeah, you've never coached a, a team before. So right. why are you yelling at me? And I've been in the NFL for 10 years and gone to pro bowls and whatever, like explain that to me again. So. No, I mean, I think, and, and I, I, and like I said, I think today it's interesting because again, on the you know we, we there's no uh, um, you know there's no Swift, uh, there's no uh, Okuda, and there's no uh, Julian Okora, uh, and and that you know what what I'm trying to interpret is from that are the Lions that confident that they feel like they can hit those guys and still win against the Bears? And I'm I and I I think that might speak volumes to where this organization is at based on how this game turns out today. Um, but I, I, like I said, I think we're going to know a lot more about this football team. Um, but, but what I find amazing is I went through the NFL, I, as I stated before, and again, outside of Kansas City, I, you know, sometimes on this show we'll do, well, who do we think are going to be in the Super Bowl? Justin, I have no clue. I have no, no clue other than if Mahomes stays healthy, Kansas City is going all the all the way. I feel very confident about that. But outside of that, I got nothing. I got nothing for you in the NFC. Because, I mean, you can sit there and go, oh, hey, you know, hey definitely Tampa because Tommy Brady's down there. You know, Tom Brady, my gosh, arthritis will hit by week eight. <laughs> I mean, I, I just – I, I, I can't I can't even respect that. And I mean same thing with Drew Brees. And I mean I you know, maybe the most telling thing of the, the most interesting thing that will come out of this off uh, the, this NFL season is gonna be Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and watching how that all shakes out. That could um, get interesting. I you know, I mean you ever look at the Rams. I mean I, I look at the Rams and go, 
gosh, you guys are just all over the map where, I mean, at times you were absolutely awful last season. You know, their head coach and that, you know, they were B-team, the eliteness, and then all of a sudden that, well, that shine off the apple went away last season <laughs> other than if you were to consider the last five games of the season where, you know, that offense was just as good as Kansas City. Yeah, maybe that's a consideration. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I share I share your assessment. You know, I, I have no idea what to make of most of the NFL. Uh, yeah, you know, I you know, there's just a whole bunch of whole bunch of other could be's. You know, the Rams could be, the Eagles still got a lot of talent. You know, um, even though they got wall up, the Texans got a lot of talent. You know. Yeah, could be the Raven. Could be the Ravens, and you sure. know it's amazing. I mean, the Ravens. You know, you sit there, you look at John Harbaugh. I mean, t- at times, John Harbaugh was the one of the worst people to walk the face of the planet. They were going to trade. The organization was going to trade them because they hadn't made the playoffs in three years. Now all of a sudden, they have Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins, and now all of a sudden, and that defense seems to be playing better. So maybe that's the the next one. I don't know, but Justin, I think that's, you know, probably in the end, that's where I think the parity probably needs to be the story of the NFL, but we know as well as that, you know, the, the, based on the nature of the play in the NFL versus the other sports, it'll be very curious to find out what exactly is the story with COVID long-term in the NFL. So. And that's the other unknown is who knows what COVID, what, what havoc is going to get, you know, wrecked upon everyone because – because of that. The only other team I throw out there, and I don't know if I missed this or not, were the Seahawks. Um, I don't know if either of you guys mentioned them, but they might be another team that could. No, and they're another one that, you know, the the problem with the Seahawks is that I think of all the teams in the NFL outside of Kansas City, they depend on that crowd, that 12th man as much as anyone, right, in that stadium. And I'm wondering because of the lack of the 12th man and that defense – I think everyone remembers the defense from before. They're not nearly as good as they have been. And I think another thing, too, that's frustrating at times is that it seems like they don't unleash a Russell Wilson allow him to, to run around. And they're in a division with the Arizona Cardinals, which I, I think if you're going to go, and, and we, I did not bring up this team, but if you were going to bring up a team to go, Okay, we're we're gonna. If you gotta pick one team to go. Hey, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Kyler Murray, uh, you know, and and that whole uh, team down there. That will be an interesting team to watch to see whether or not they really live up to that. Uh, what what are some of some uh, tall expectations at this point? The NFC West in general is just fascinating. Like people forget, like we haven't brought up one, the NFC champions. <laughs> <laughs> who, by the way, are still going to be able to run the ball and play good defense, and they're still right. games. I mean, San Francisco is not going anywhere. Right. Um, they, they've well, still got enough pieces to be very competitive. By the way, Jimmy Garoppolo still plays football. I don't think anyone Apparently, knew that yeah. anymore. You know, well, a year ago, off, I mean. a year a year ago, all you heard was about Jimmy G. Jimmy G. That's all anyone could talk about. Now I've been in every – I've been in four fantasy drafts, and I'm not even quite sure if he got drafted in any of them. He, he did in ours. He, bottom line, it was really <laughs> at the bottom, like where I just – I didn't pay attention anymore. He was but, drafted at the same time I was doing my annual search for mock picks to make. Okay. Someone that's been like arrested or you – know. Something to Chad Johnson or Terrell Owens, or, you know. 
Ocho. <laughs> yeah, I think he was pretty much drafted while I was scouring the bottom, the drag of the can, allowable EF, ESPN draft list. Can I draft Brandon Hinge at this point in the football draft? <laughs> I would have. I know. <laughs> so, in one of our initial ESPN fantasy hockey leagues, I drafted Stu Grimson. <laughs> I remember. In 2000. So, you know. <laughs> uh, and rostered him for two weeks. <laughs> you know, Stu Grimson, all I can think of is him singing Itsy Bitsy Spider in that NHL commercial. Yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Speaking of football, uh, so obviously we'll be talking about that over the coming weeks as well. But speaking of football, maybe a change in Big Ten. Uh, they're meeting this weekend to figure out what exactly they're going to do. There's been a lot of talk in some of the other mega conferences as to what they're going to do. Where do you see the wind blowing things on this one? I'm going to let Brandon go first on this one. Yeah, you know, I don't much care. Um, you know, what I was actually going to say is that despite the fact that, you know, the odds are against them, people seem really, really confident with what the NFL is doing as far as safety protocols. And perhaps that's what's giving – some of the mega conferences more confidence to revisit it, but you know, I I don't care. You know, I know they were apparently playing college football. Like, you know, if if Michigan comes back and they're playing in the state, I'll I'll poke around. But um, particularly in college football, to me, the lack of of being able to measure one's team against um, the rest of the, you know, the country makes it kind of meaningless to me. We know what the Big Ten is. We know they're going to beat the crap out of each other. Um, and what's really interesting to see is what can any team, uh, not Michigan, actually rise up and do something against good teams from other parts of the country. <laughs> we know Michigan can't. You know, without that, I'm my interest is pretty, pretty tepid. So on my side, I, I think, you know, when – I don't know. Part of it, and, and the one question I have, I was listening to our last show, and and right at that time, we kind of like uh, it was right before I think some of these decisions were being made, or right about the time. The Pac-10. Now I've heard all types of talk about the Big Ten and who voted and who didn't vote. I mean, it seems like the Big Ten has been highly scrutinized, while the Pac-10. Pierce, the thing is voted, and that was it. I mean, I'm not, I haven't heard anything about the Pac 10 possibly playing or anything like that at all. Um, but back to the Big 10, um, you know, to me, the, the situation uh, was, I think, is, it should have been a wait and see. We talked about it on the last show. You know, they went ahead, they changed the schedule, they delayed the season. I think that was a, a very much a wait and see. Then I think, in my personal opinion, especially based on the behavior of the other conferences, I think their decision to shut down was a little on the – it was arguably hasty compared to the other non-Pac-10 big, big conferences. They should have waited. They should have been. And now and, – and another problem I had – not a problem. The other challenge I think the Big Ten had was they're delivering – of their decision. There was question about whether there was a vote or not. There was a question about who exactly was participating. There was a question about who was allowed to voice their own opinions. And from my personal opinion on the matter was they should have probably done a little better job of 
making sure that they had all the opinions, and in addition to that, including players and players' parents and the coaches, it appears to be a, little, a bit of a shortcoming. But the other the, their thing was you delayed the season, so there was no urgency to run and make a, a, a decision on the season if you weren't going to get started until the end of September. That's that. With that said, obviously there's going to be something else we're going to have to, you know, keep our eyes on. Yep. And th there's a lot of complications that come with college football and, and trying to make that. And we, we talked about that previously. You know, we talked about inadequate facilities at certain places. So it's really only going to be, and this really getting back to Brandon's point, it's really only going to be a very slim number of teams, conferences that can actually pull this off under these circumstances. So. Yep. We're going to have to wait and see. So the other interesting thing going on right now, and really two interesting things, NBA, NHL, you know, they've pretty much been gone up until the last month, month and a half, really. Um, both are in the, uh, in the throes of the playoffs. We'll start in the NBA and um, LeBron and all that good stuff in the bubble. Um, where's your head at with that stuff? You know, my first takeaway in the meeting minutes uh, or the agenda was it seemed like just watching LeBron in these playoffs that, you know, COVID, not good. Before LeBron, good, because it gave him a rest. And for a guy as many years of the NBA, it seemed like it re it, with that three-month rest that he had or however long it was, boy, if anything, that wasn't very good for anyone that's not a Laker fan <laughs> or, or not a LeBron fan. And, and Brandon, it just seemed like, I mean, he had a play on defense last night that, I mean, literally he was at the, 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 uh, uh, along the baseline and he ended up getting something in his more top of the key. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he is the rest to your point. I mean, has made him, you know, as dominant as he can be and as he wants to be and he can turn it on and off. Um, it's the same thing that's been true since I would say, you know, Ron came back to the Cavaliers, um, a couple of years back, you know, he is the best player in basketball. And a very, very good team can beat LeBron. Um, and depending on the supporting cast around him, Anthony Davis is also a phenomenal basketball player. I think the Lakers are all that great behind those two guys. There are, I think, two teams remaining that can beat him, but it's going to be tough. I think Toronto was a team I think could have beaten the Lakers, but, you know, the Celtics knocked them off. I believe the Celtics can beat the Lakers. Um, and then despite also – I think that well-balanced of a team, the Clippers, the Lakers. And so we are at the place in the West where everyone thought they would be, which is it seems to be the Clippers and Lakers are going to duke this out for a year until the Warriors come back. And then it'll get interesting again. And so it's kind of, it's kind of where we thought they would be. It's Clippers, Lakers, and they're going to be the presumptive favorite. Uh, the winner of that series will be the presumptive favorite uh, in taking on the Heat or the Celtics, um, who are both very, very good basketball teams. Uh, particularly the Celtics, and I do believe the Celtics could beat the Lakers or the Clippers. So it's not a uh, it's not a dead year, if you will. Um, in the past, when you just knew the Warriors were going to blow the Cavs out of the water the last couple of years, um, you know, prior to last year. So I think it's it's going to be interesting, and the Clippers Lakers series should still be fun. So Clippers haven't actually won yet, though. No, they haven't. <laughs> so I no, just they throw haven't. It out there. But I think they've been the Nuggets have been pretty badly outplayed. Mm -hmm. In that series, and I mean, yeah, anything can happen. Of course, the Nuggets have a lot of good players, um, but they seem pretty exhausted from their series with the Jazz. 
Um, I think, you know, it's a matter of time. But, yeah, you know, again, anything, to your point, anything can happen. I don't want to count chickens here. I think the Nuggets would, would likely by the Lakers. But, mm-hmm. you know, don't count your chicken nuggets till they have. <laughs> oh, okay. There's a lot more chicken nuggets and chickens in, uh, in uh, Royal Oak. So, uh, that's uh... – even though I had a flock of turkeys in my neighborhood in Sharing Sterling Lake a week ago, so we we have a regular, yeah, yeah, we have a regular flock of yeah. turkeys here. Yes, 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 yes. And I don't even um, know people. Ka- Kawhi Leonard, um, I think to me this is one of those seize the opportunity moments for him. I think that uh, I, I I think with him playing in Toronto, then he signed the contract. I think the general public attitude toward Kawhi Leonard has been rather maligned. Um, where uh, I think that he's a guy that if, if he can get that the, the Clippers to beat the Lakers, I think that that would be a major statement on, on his side. I know he, you know, he, you know, a lot of people say, well, he doesn't need a statement. He made it last year. No, I, I, I think he still needs that statement. Um, and of course, let's be honest, this is really, really uh, a tough playoff from the standpoint that, uh, um, you know, Giannis got injured the way he did and uh, really kind of stealing uh, an opportunity for him to be back onto the uh, uh, platform of performance here. So, yeah. So I don't think, I don't think much of the Milwaukee Bucks. So. Well, and I think though that, I think it more speaks though in general to the NBA as a whole where you're, you either, you, you're again, you're measured by the superstars that you have, right? And and I mean, to your point about the Lakers, the Lakers are not necessarily a great team, but they have great, really awesome players on the team that are going to carry the, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like LeBron with the, the, uh, uh, the Cavaliers. So, you know, to me it was LeBron and not to be derogatory, but just a bunch of, Whatever's the yeah, I mean, with LeBron, it's always who's who can step up, and he had Kyrie Irving in some of his better seasons. And Kevin Love's a very good player. I, I, you know, if you take the LeBron Cavs versus the Lakers Cavs, you know, some of those Cavaliers teams would probably beat this Lakers team. I don't think people like the dynamic of the West has been so drastically changed by the Warriors not being if people like the Kevin Durant Warriors probably annihilate any other team in the, in the West this year. Um, they're that much better than any of these teams. Like, people just don't know. Like, it's a two-man team in L.A., right? Both L.A. teams, pretty much two-man teams. Well, and I think, look, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I have watched the uh, games, and, and, you know, you listen to people that really follow the NBA. I, I question the pedestal that they put Anthony Davis on. Uh, I think Anthony Davis is a, a good NBA player but i don't think he necessarily deserves the uh um uh the 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 reputation that i think he's earned with some people quite honestly so yeah he he's a he's a very very good basketball player you know i think what makes him so unique is the 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 versatility of the things he can do and i think there's a lot of guys in the nba right now that get that kind of praise right yes being another one of them um well i don't know actually how good of a basketball player you know like i mean is is he a is he a, a guy that can carry a team or is he a number two? And I think Davis also falls back. So Clippers Nuggets tonight. Um, I don't remember what time. I want to say uh, nine p.m. on ESPN, and then probably uh, be asleep o'clock. Asleep o'clock. Yes, there's a good good chance of that. And um, and then we'll see uh, we'll see where it goes from there. 
Uh, last bit. It's actually oh, oh. it's one o'clock this afternoon. Is it this afternoon? Midday yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. I'm sure I'll give it up by the on the lines at that point. <laughs> huh? That's not what uh, Mr. Interweb says. Uh, according to ESPN, one o'clock uh, their front page. Uh, one o'clock Nuggets uh, Clippers. So huh. I don't know. So, okay, I'm also on ESPN.com under oh. schedule. So somebody is wrong, and I okay. know the internet's never wrong, but somewhere the internet is wrong. You know, with ESPN, they could be starting their pregame at one o'clock in the game <laughs> at nine o'clock. So I don't know. I have no idea. Begins. Woo! Hey, everybody, live from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Buena Vista. Hello, everybody. And we're here for a seven hour pregame show while well, the NFL is on another channel. Hello. Yeah. So um, then uh, NHL, getting back to them as we're creeping our way to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, you got Lightning Islanders, you know, the Steve Eiserman legacy still uh, going strong in Lightning land. And then uh, on the other side of it, you got Vegas, who still, uh, still remains a really good club, uh, continues to throw the whole idea that expansion teams can't be successful out of the window. Uh, they're down 3-1, although they've scored as many goals as the Dallas Stars in the series. So that one is is super, super close. And uh, so be interesting to see what goes on there. Any thoughts on uh, where we're at? Well, I'll tell you what. It continues. I mean, every game I turn on, you know, the, the, I, I, I always feel like I'm watching the NBA. And, and I mean, even though LeBron has been phenomenal and he's benefited, he'll seem like a guy. Bit of a sluggish game. While the NHL, they just seem to they they've put aside anything having to do with uh, COVID and their you know the the amount of uh, you know the speed that they're using and what you expect from playoff hockey is there. And and uh, um, but if we've said a hundred times on this show over the last two decades, um, you know, unfortunately hockey is one of those we have to be in the stands really to get the full flavor of it. But, you know, the announcing's there, the, 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 the general player and performance is there. I watched the uh, uh, Dallas Stars game last night, and that ended up being a pretty entertaining, uh, uh, you know, game for the most part. Um, and, um, you know, I, I will definitely be tuning into the uh, Stanley Cup finals as we have it at the end of September. So that's, uh, yeah, I can think I'm just trying to wrap around in my mind. As these and the tough part is, too, I know these would be in, like, May, June. But just trying to remember that they're on is a bit of a struggle, to be very frank with you. True. So. Yeah, no, this is, uh, speaking of, you know, wings, you know, finally kind of the culmination of years of, of tinkering and building for Jim Nell here in Dallas. Um, and it's really particularly on the forward side, assembled a really great group of forwards. Like, uh, to be commended for some of the depth and some of the brought in the supplement. Uh, Seguin, you know, bringing in the Corey Perry, having – uh, you know, some of these are guys who are maybe on the downside of their career uh, to come in to, to support their big top line. Um, just, just, a, just a nice job by, uh, by Jim Neal out there in Dallas. And, you know, they've been fun to watch. The Dallas-Colorado series would probably be a highlight of any of, the, the, of either sport, you know, in the, in the series other than maybe Toronto Celtics. So uh, I think the, NFL, the NHL just suffers from a lack of mainstream stars, you know. Ken and Crosby are on the, on the tail end of their careers, and they're really just not guys with the juice, you know, 
you know, Connor McDavid that guy. And so I think they're suffering from that versus the spectacle of LeBron out there, um, you know, every weekend for the NBA. And, you know, I'm growing more and more okay with the idea that that's fine. NHL is what it is. It, it's 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 sport that has some really dedicated fans. It probably should be smaller, and and just a more um, compact, dedicated league. Probably play a little bit little bit fewer games, and and it's good. It's a good. It still can be a really good product, and is a good product. You know, on the ice, and it is disappointing that there are no fans because fans make a huge difference in hockey. And we're and it'd be very interesting to see football with no fans, also. Um, it was odd on Thursday, with yeah. a very reduced number of fans. Yeah, so yeah, it it definitely has. I mean, there's nobody banging on the glass or getting their head beaten in by Ty Domi for climbing over the glass or what have you. So it's very disappointing. So. With that said, the only other thing I think that was on the agenda was U.S. Open. Adam, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that at all. Yeah, so they'll go ahead. They'll play at Pinehurst uh, this coming weekend, uh, next uh, weekend. Now, we just wrapped up the uh, end, uh, the uh, PGA Tour season ended uh, this past uh, um, Labor Day weekend with, of course, Dustin Johnson completely destroying everybody else, uh, slowly but surely, uh, with uh, continuing to basically put out the hypothesis, and now it's basically been close to a theory that the only person that can really stop Dustin Johnson is Dustin Johnson at this point in time. Uh, where, I mean, and he wins his first PGA Tour championship, which I think is 10 or $15 million, or I think it's $15 million winning. It's, it's, it, it is definitely the biggest purse that they have out there but the you know the playoffs were very compelling and of course now we go into next week now Brooks Kepka will not be playing due to injuries uh I I think part of it too is Brooks is just I, I think Brooks is burned out by life in general so he needs a bit of a rest uh and um <laughs> that should uh, be the theme for 2020 for everyone I know but I, I I always feel like Brooks is always like burned out in general uh, oh no yeah just Strikes strikes me as a guy that doesn't really uh, doesn't really like what he does, despite how dominant he is at it. You know, he uh, doesn't really like it, and he he talked a big game, uh, you know, going into you know day four of a of a big event, and DJ you know and he collapsed, and and other guys stepped up, and so since then, I mean, he's kind of so I don't know. He I, I still think he's a better golfer than Dustin Johnson at the end of the day. Uh, the question is, can he get his mind right to come back and and, and do what he does? So clearly not going to happen this weekend. No, no. A couple of names I could throw out there. We just threw out Jason Johnson. John Rahm had a phenomenal uh, end of his season. He was right there with uh, for a long part with Dustin Johnson, Royal McIlroy is another guy that I keep on. I, I really thought he was going to step up and and really. Uh, uh, um, a lot more of a factor this season, but I mean, he even had a shot at the PGA Tour Championship this weekend that looked like me on a public course where I'm looking, I hit the ball, I'm looking for it, and it went right in the water, like uh, 20 feet in front of me. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen uh, uh, from a professional almost. Uh, Breaking the shampoo. Yes. Uh, breaking DeChambeau, I'm not expecting great things. I think he peaked at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, Justin Thomas is another guy that has had a very, very yeah, good, good season. Xander um, uh, Shoffley one of those guys. He's on the cusp of being there. Uh, and Colin Morikawa, he was the guy that pulled Son, out the yeah. PGA Championship. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, 
the beauty of it, I mean, I can go on. Patrick Cantley, uh, Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger, Hideki Amakiyama, Tommy Fleetwood. I can go on and on. There's a bunch of guys that could win next week. And, and as much as I, I prop up Dustin Johnson being the, the, the guy that can win above anything else, uh, based on a lot of what it took him to get there, could very well be what actually keeps him from winning based on all the effort and the emotion that it took for him to win the PJ Tour Championship. So, um, And, of course, one guy that we haven't mentioned, and he seems like he doesn't play well, if he hasn't played in a couple weeks, he's Tiger Woods. Um, and uh, you wonder what his schedule will be uh, um, as we're getting underway, uh, you know, on a brand new um, uh, PGA Tour season. Uh, what, you know, with him not playing this week, I, I don't think he played this week, and then what he will do heading into the Masters to defend his uh, championship from last year. So, um, and another guy that won last year, the U.S. Open, and we've almost forgot about him is Gary Woodland. So, uh, so. The, as we've stated a hundred times before, and we'll state again, uh, the uh, PGA Tour has done a phenomenal job of, of maintaining with the COVID, uh, and um, uh, and and I no reason to believe that nothing that that will not continue as long as they maintain their practices, both from a, a tour standpoint as well as a um, uh, uh, a player self responsibility standpoint. Uh, and even seeing the champion tour kind of getting uh, fired up a little bit now that uh, things are going on. Last thing, Brian Stewart, Oakland University uh, alumni, he's second this week uh, in the Safeway Open. So there we go. Very cool. Any uh, parting thoughts as we get ready to get out of here for this edition? I think, again, watch for uh, the uh, Big Ten, figure out what they're going to do. Uh, and then, you know, of course, watch the NFL. I think that'll be, uh, um, you know, and, and I think like think our last show, we, you know, there's a lot of challenges with baseball. Uh, outside of the Giants, they've done a very good job. Major League Baseball has righted themselves, righted that ship. Uh, and just to kind of continue to see what exactly happens in terms of, of sports in general, trying to maintain itself uh, during these times. Yep, very much. I just realized that in one of my fantasy leagues, my kicker's name is Rodrigo so I'm pretty excited about that. Very nice, very nice. C congratulations. <laughs> and with that said, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium, which you can listen to it many, many times and isn't even always recorded on Saturday mornings anymore. Um, and we'll be back on in a couple weeks, so please just uh, continue to Check us out online, uh, follow us on Facebook, all that other good stuff, and uh, get the good word out there. For Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee, my name is Justin Lee. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium.